That's the best that I have ever heard that song sang in my life. If that doesn't get you going, then something's wrong with you. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Did you know that things are not always as they seem to be? Whenever Noah was asked to fill that large boat up with animals, certainly Noah and Mrs. Noah, certainly they said, no God, this is impossible. Things are not always as they seem to be. Certainly as the teenager, Mary... The angel spoke these, these things to her. She thought, certainly not, Lord. Me? Well, that would be impossible. See, things are not always as they seem to be. God's forte is the impossible. He can do anything He wants to do whenever He wants to do it. Because He's God. And that's a really good thing for us. Right? Because we have limitations. So this morning, there's two camps here this morning. There's those here that believe that God can do the impossible. And there's, there's the camp that doesn't. That says, no, God cannot do the impossible. And to say that God cannot do the impossible would de- declare that God of the Bible is not God. So that's what we have to decide. Do we believe the impossible or not? And regardless if we believe it, it does not change the truth. Uh, The truth is, if I were to stand on the edge of a house and said, you know, I believe with all my heart I can fly. I'm going to jump off this house. I'm going to fly like a bird, like Michael Jordan. Except I'm going to keep going. I can believe that with all my heart. But the truth is, when I jump off that house, I'm going to splat, hit the ground, right? So the truth cannot change. And the truth is that God is a God of impossibilities. He can do anything He wants when He wants. Recent example in my life, we closed in our house last Friday, praise the Lord, and uh, closed in our house in Memphis, in Lakeland, Tennessee. And we're getting ready to get our final papers together and say, Allison, where's your garage door opener? I don't know. Well, I really think that I lost it. I got it out of her car. Weeks ago, knowing that day would come, and then I placed it in a drawer at my house. Well, these guys came and helped us pack up the house and uh, headed down here. And I've got to close in the house. And the realtor said, hey, I need your other garage door opener. It's in the contract. I said, well, I don't have it. Where is it? It's in a box somewhere in a U-Haul truck. And so... Thankfully, some mighty men of the faith at this church, you know, 10 to 15 guys came, gave up their Saturday morning and helped me load up a storage unit in the kill. And as we're unloading those boxes, now keep in mind, I'm thinking the next few days, I'm going to have to go through every single box here. Every single box, because I have no idea where this garage door opener, this remote is. And about halfway through unloading the boxes, I don't remember who it was. It may have been Reese. May have been some, no. What, I, I don't know who it was. But they said, "Hey, here's the garage door remote," and they stuck it in my hand. And I said, "Where'd you get this?" They said, "Well, it fell out of a box." 
I said, what do you mean it fell out of a box? I said, well, it just it fell out of a box. I don't, know, I don't know where it came from. I said, so you're just telling me it fell out of a box? I said, yes. Now, the one thing that I needed out of all of those boxes on the truck, the most urgent, the most pressing, most important thing was that garage door remote. See, God is the God of the impossible. Now, you may say, well, that was just coincidence. Well, maybe. Or maybe not. That's just a silly example. We see in Luke chapter 1, verses 57 and following, we'll see, we're going to see, look at two different passages of Scripture. The first one will be the birth of John the Baptist. And then after that, we see Zechariah's prophecy. So if you have your Bible, or if not, that's, too, that's cool, we have a copy. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Luke chapter 1, verses 57, and we'll read all the way through 66, okay? Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your other relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted to be called. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their, their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all of the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Let's pray. God, we need you to show us your great truth. God, we need you in these moments to help us hear what, it, what you say to the church, God, collectively, but also as individuals. Lord, we give you this moment. God, we believe, asking by faith, God, that your word is alive. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The time came for Elizabeth to give birth. As a senior saint, Zachariah and Elizabeth probably taught their Sunday school class, the senior adult class. And uh, here comes the moment for Elizabeth. She knew the baby was inside of her and Word had gotten out to her friends. They heard about Zechariah's vision. They knew that, probably heard through the grapevine and through the Judea newspaper that Elizabeth was pregnant. The Bible says that, and the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors, slash friends, and her relatives, slash family, heard that the Lord has shown great mercy. To her, and they rejoiced. 
So they knew she was pregnant. They probably had doubted up to this moment. They thought, you know, Elizabeth, she's getting up there. She's probably just lost her, lost her mind. You know, uh, probably Zachariah, he's probably lost his as well. And maybe it's not a baby. Maybe it's just a abnormal physical situation. And then they heard that the baby came. And then they rejoiced. They realized, you know what? How about that? How about that? They had a baby. And the baby's healthy. Maybe God's in this. Maybe God can do anything. Can you imagine being Elizabeth? How nervous she must have been? I mean, having a, having a newborn is a terrifying thing to, to a woman of any age, right? Well, the Lord, He specializes in surprises. And this, though this was a surprise to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and in their later years, they just really weren't counting on this interruption. But the Lord was. He wasn't surprised by it. See, Zechariah and, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they probably thought that their, maybe they thought their greatest days of ministry were in the rearview mirror. But the Lord had different plans. It had been 400 years since the nation of Israel had heard from a prophet. 400 years. Even Zechariah's grandfather didn't even know a prophet. And now, God had told Zechariah that he was going to be the father of the prophet that would prepare the way of the Lord. Wow. God can do anything He wants to how He wants to do it. There was a doctor, Dr. Charles McCoy. He was a pastor of Oyster Bay, a church in Oyster Bay, New York. Have you ever heard of that? And Dr. McCoy was 72 years old. This is a quick story I'd like to share from the book. This one thing I do about Dr. Bob Pierce, the founder of World Vision and the founder of Samaritan's Purse. And his church decided that it was time for Dr. Bob to retire. So they said, Dr. Bob, we, we've got you, not Dr. Bob, Dr. McCoy. My bad. Dr. McCoy, we think that you need to go stay in this nice retirement home. We've got you set up. We're going to bless our leader. We're going to send you to Florida and your family. And we've worked together and we've arranged for you to retire in style. And Dr. McCoy was grateful for the gesture and he began to pray and seek the Lord. And in his time with the Lord, he felt led of God to go to India. Now he's 72 years old. He told his family, he told his children, and they said, Oh, Dad, you've lost your mind. He said, well, I think the Lord's telling me to go. They said, Dad, just pray on it and you'll get over it. And so, long story short, Dr. Bob, uh, I said Dr. Bob again. Dr. Charles McCoy sold his car, sold his house, sold all the things that he didn't need, packed a suitcase, 
He had a magazine clipping of address of a missionary couple, some mail he had received a few years earlier. So he had the magazine clipping with that address and the missionary's names. He had his wallet, he had his passport, and his suitcase. Gets on the airplane, flies to India, gets there, his luggage has gone missing. No luggage. That's a bad day, right? Some of you can testify to that. It's a bad day. She says, okay, the Lord's with me. It's okay, it's cool. So gets on the bus. Gets off the bus. Starts around. Some of you men, do you ever do the triple check? Phone, wallet, keys? I do that all the time. The ladies are like, what are y'all talking about? It's the triple tap. So he said, my passport, it's missing. He, his passport was gone. So then, he's like, okay. Oh, he realized his wallet's gone. Dr. McCoy had lost everything but that magazine clipping. He finally arrives at the missionary's house, knocks on the door. They were shocked. Who's this American guy that we do not know? And uh, they welcome him in. He stays with them for a few days. And he says, I, I want to go see the mayor of this city. They said, oh, Dr. McCoy, we've been trying to do that for years. You can't do that. He said, well, I'll give it a shot. So he goes to the mayor's office, meets with the secretary. Uh, she interviews him a little bit. And she figures out that he's very distinguished. Dr. McCoy had seven university degrees. Seven. He had a Ph.D. from Columbia, Ph.D. from Dartmouth. Seven graduate degrees. An undergraduate. She says, uh, I need to talk to the mayor and see if he can meet with you. She goes and meets with the mayor. She comes back out of the office. She says, Dr. McCoy, you're going to have to come back tomorrow. Dr. McCoy goes home feeling like a failure. Comes back the next day. The mayor had assembled all of the leaders in the city. All of the city officials. And Dr. McCoy comes in and the mayor introduces Dr. McCoy to his crowd and says, this is an ambassador of the President of the United States of America. <laughs> Dr. McCoy had white hair. In India, they respect that. He had all of these degrees. They thought, certainly, this man is from the President of the United States. Dr. McCoy walks in, and simply, he shares the Gospel. He says, I'm not representative of the President of the United States, but I am representative of the King of all kings. And he shares the, go- the good news of the Gospel. Over the next few days, some of those men come to know Christ. He leads them to the Lord. One of the guys that day was a military leader, equivalent to our West Point, a military leader. And he invites Dr. McCoy to come speak to his military institute. Dr. McCoy gets to, sh- to share the Gospel with all of them. Then, other cities, and states, and provinces... And their city leaders all started, all over India, started inviting this white-haired guy that had a powerful message to their city. For the next 18 years, 18 years, Dr. McCoy traveled all over Southeast Asia sharing the gospel. His greatest years, he thought, were behind him. See, things are not always as they seem to be. When the Lord calls us to do something, we can either ask how or why, or we can say, yes, sir. 
We can question His Word. We can question His wisdom. But at the end of the day, God knows what He's doing. When God says no to something, He's saying yes to something better. When God says no to something, He's saying yes to something better. Well, pastor, what about when He says no and it doesn't seem like it's for the better? What if God's saying no and it doesn't make any sense why this would be for the better? In fact, it's for the worst. Well, we need to trust that God still knows what He's doing. And we need to trust that He loves us and He wants best for us. I mean, if He sent His one and only Son, so we saw the, the kids sing, I, I just couldn't help think about that one, at one time, Jesus was a child. That baby grew up to be a child. And He was precious. Can you imagine Jesus singing Christmas songs that He heard His mom sing? And that precious little boy would be sent to the cross. So if God sent His one and only Son to the earth to die for you and me, then there's your greatest evidence of knowing that God's heart is for you and it's not against you. He's for us. He's not against us. But I didn't get the job I wanted. Well, He still loves you. He still wants what's best for you. But the cancer is still there. He still loves you. He still wants what's best for you. My grandmother passed away of pancreatic cancer. I said, Lord, this is... God, are you sure you know what you're doing? Well, the truth is, sin is in the world and we have bad things and we deal with gnats in Bay St. Louis and we deal with mosquitoes and we deal with hot days and cold days and the weather doesn't ask our permission to interrupt our lives sometimes. And um, not just the weather, but we have tragedy. We have earthquakes and natural disasters and we have uh, sin and evil and red lights and speed limits and just all kind of things that, that mess up our lives because sin is in the world. That's why we have bad days. It's not because of the Lord. It's because we mess things up. This world is broken. So we will have trials. But sometimes through the hard things, through the things that do not make sense, God is working things out for, for His glory and for our good. See, my grandmother, as cool as she was, she was awesome, by the way. One of my grandmas, she went to be with the Lord. You can have a better day than that. Do you believe that when people die that know Christ, do you believe they go to heaven? And do you believe that heaven is what the Bible says, that there will be no more tears, full of joy, and I can't wait to get to heaven to try out the Chick-fil-A milkshake up there. It's going to be great. But this morning, either you believe in the impossible, or you don't. And whether you believe it or not, God's forte is the impossible. God has a history of asking His people to do impossible things so the world will know that He is the God of impossibilities. The Lord wants the world to know His nature, he wants the world to know His heart. And He wants the world to know the Gospel. Verse 59, 
Basically, they said, we'll call this baby Zechariah after his father. And Elizabeth, she said, whoa, 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 hold up. Wait a second. No, he shall be called John. He shall be called John. And they said, John, there's, this name's not even in your family. Elizabeth, this pregnancy has really caused you to lose it. So then they made signs to Zechariah in verse 62, which tells us that Zechariah was not only struck to be mute, but he was also deaf. Somebody bumped Zechariah and said, hey, they started trying to speak to him. Baby, name, what do you say? And he grabs his tablet, not the Microsoft or Apple tablet, but he grabs a tablet and he writes on it. it this is so awesome. He writes on it, his name is John. It doesn't say, we will call him John. It doesn't say, fill out on the birth certificate, John. He says, his name is John. As if it's already been decided. God named this baby. The name John means Yahweh is gracious. God broke the protocol. The tradition was that he'd be Zechariah Jr. or something like that. God has a way of breaking protocol sometimes. A modern day Paul, a Chinese pastor named Brother Yoon, says that when God starts to move, all man-made plans and strategies become futile and worthless and are swept away like an umbrella in a mighty hurricane. When God starts to move, does that mean we shouldn't seek godly counsel? No. The Bible tells us to do that. Does that mean that we shouldn't be organized? No, we should be. Does that mean we shouldn't crave wisdom everywhere? No. But it does mean that sometimes when God Himself starts to intervene in our lives and in the church and in our workplaces, that He doesn't always go by the rules. He doesn't always follow what we want Him to do. Dr. Trent Butler says, Zechariah had learned his lesson. Do not ask why or how, just obey God. Now instead of words of questioning and doubts, Zechariah's mouth will be filled with praise. Let's read Zechariah's prophecy, verses 67 through 80. You guys awake? You with me? Alright, this is good stuff. Not the preaching, but the Word. Verse 67, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. As He spoke by the mouth of His old, holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant. The oath that He swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And you, child, talking about John the Baptist, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. 
For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. You see God's heart, tender mercy? Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Wow. Zechariah's mouth wasn't filled with, Lord, this doesn't make sense, or how, or why. All of a sudden, the words that came out of Zechariah's mouth were filled with praise. See, when God shuts you up for a few months, you have time to think. And Zechariah had time to think and ponder about the truth and who God is. And out of it comes praise to the Lord. Verse 68 says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people. The word redeemed there means set free by paying a price. It also can refer to the releasing of a prisoner that is a slave. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 69, He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Horn of salvation. Horn meant symbolized power and victory. We could go through every verse, but we don't have time to sum up this prophecy. This miraculous baby would be God's prophet, the first one in over 400 years. And he would not be the Messiah, but he would prepare the way of the Lord. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, you can write that down. There's a reference to John the Baptist. It says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Well, why would God send a messenger? Why does Jesus need a messenger? Why, why John the Baptist? There's probably all kinds of reasons. But maybe, just maybe, God wanted everybody to know. God wanted, He wanted all of the people in Israel and surrounding places to know that Jesus was on the way. Because it was that important. And so He raised up a voice one that the Old Testament said would be the voice crying in the wilderness. And he would be a unique fellow. He would wear strange clothes, and he would eat strange food. John the Baptist, and he would grow up, the Bible says he was in the wilderness. See, sometimes to get our attention, it takes a strange voice. It takes something outside of the box. And God raised up this unique man named John the Baptist Because He wanted everyone to know that Jesus is coming. Baby Jesus cried just like that baby crying now. Baby Jesus was vulnerable. We'll see this next week. We'll see the birth of Christ. It's incredible. We'll have one service next week at 10 o'clock. Come, we're not going to have any nursery. We're going to be an old-fashioned church. We're going to have an old-fashioned tent meeting on Sunday. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have music. 
bring your kids, bring your babies, doesn't matter, interrupting the service. Hey, there's people meeting in a tent in Africa. There's people meeting under trees today. And there's a pack of wild dogs running through the crowd. There are um, mosquitoes biting. And there's, so let's just everyone gather next week for an old-fashioned Christmas service. As we close, I want us to think about something. Hope of the world is not based on human ability, but in God's divine promise and miracle. So this morning, where is your hope? If your hope is in yourself or your ability, maybe a young person, you're in college this morning, and and you're thinking, man, my hope is in graduating and passing my classes for one. And then it's trying to get the right job or the right internship or, or maybe finding the right girl or finding the right guy and getting married and, and maybe, I don't know, having, having a financially stable career. Maybe your hope is in that this morning. Or maybe your hope is um, kind of what Dr. McCoy's children hope for their dad. That uh, you would have a nice retirement and um, you would be financially secure. It's a tricky time because if you're, if you're that person, you think, am I going to have enough money? Uh, am I going to live to be 105? If I do, I'm going to be in trouble. But if I, you know, you're, you're thinking of those things. Me and my grandma, we have lots of good conversations about these things. I still have one grandmother alive. She's in her 80s and she makes wedding cakes every week. She's so cool. But uh, This morning, where is your hope? Is it in, boy, I really sure hope our uh, new preacher doesn't blow it. Man, I, you know, I, maybe your hope is in, well, I sure hope that uh, the Christmas service uh, I hope they have some snow that's going to fall and just give me that Christmas feeling. Or maybe it's in some of you are thinking, man, I hope I can feed my family next week. Or maybe some of you are thinking, man, I hope my mom answers my phone call when I call her on Christmas Day because there's some baggage in your family. Maybe you parents, you're thinking, I hope, I hope Johnny comes home for Christmas. But this morning, whatever we put our hope in, we can see that the hope of this world is not based in human ability, but in God's divine promise and miracle. And because of Christ, we can have all kinds of hope on Christmas Day. All kinds. Because He's faithful, and He's good, and He does not lie, and He's with us, and He's for us. There were two babies. Luke chapter 1. Baby Jesus. John the Baptist. There were two mothers, Mary and Elizabeth. There were two earthly fathers, Joseph and Zachariah. Man, if you were God, is that how you would have worked this out for Luke chapter 1? Probably not. You have one young couple that was super inexperienced. They, they didn't even know how to be married. They weren't even married. If you're a holy God and you're against sin, I don't think I would do that. You know, Let them get married and then do the baby thing, right? But God is so outside of the box. He's, he's different than we are. 
His righteousness is perfect and holy. Then you had another couple. And they're in their last years, they thought. And yet they would experience new things unlike ever before. God's plans are so different than anything we could dream up. He's far wiser than we are. He knows what He's doing. So this morning for you, you may look at your circumstances and say, boy, this looks impossible. Good news for you, that our God is the God of impossibilities and He can do anything. And so He may intervene into your situation. And He may choose to answer your prayer by not answering it the way you want Him to. And if that happens, you just got to hold on tight and trust Him. Trust His nature and be reminded that, man, if God would send His one and only Son to earth as a baby to be destined to die for you, then that is a powerful kind of love. And if that is true, then that same love applies to you and me today. That should encourage you. Know what I'm saying? Jesus saves. We're going to have a moment of invitation. Just that phrase kind of makes me feel weird and religious. And I hope this morning that you see that uh, you may have grown up seeing religion. Maybe you grew up in a different church than this one and, and you maybe separate out the religious life, Christian stuff for Sunday, and then you have your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then you do the church thing sometimes on Sunday. Friend, let me tell you, Jesus Christ is either Lord of all of it, or He's not Lord at all. He's either Lord of all of it, or He's not your Lord. What about your God this morning? Is He a God that can do anything? Is He a God that raises people from the dead? Is He a God that opens blind people's eyes? Is He a God that heals people physically? Is He a God that created the the earth and then like Genesis says that He also made the stars as if it was nothing? Is that your God? Or is your God a little bitty God that you just created in your mind that says that God created everything and then He backed off and I can do whatever I want and whenever I need something, I'm going to call Him up. Is that your God this morning? He's my Sunday God. Friend, He's not a Sunday only God. He's an everyday God. He's sovereign over every day. And at the end of the day, He loves you and He loves me. He's got a plan for our life and we can trust Him. Let's pray.